0: God speaking to Abraham in Genesis 12:3 said, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. At the Friends of Israel, we believe this verse still has meaning today to bless Israel and the Jewish people. And because of partners like you, we've been blessing Israel for nearly 80 years. So if you've been touched by our ministry, I want to ask you to prayerfully consider financially supporting our work. You can find a donate link on our website to learn more about the ways you can partner with us, foiradio.org. This is the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover. And I'm Chris Katolka. And we invite you to visit foiradio.org to get your free one-year subscription to Israel My Glory magazine. Do you have the same heart for the Jewish people that we do at the Friends of Israel? Do you value the Word of God? Do you believe God still has a future for His chosen people? If so, we want to bless you with a gift, an entire year of our award-winning magazine, now in its 75th year, at no cost. And even if you're not familiar with God's plan for the Jewish people, let Israel My Glory magazine be your introduction to the Lord's special love and future plan for His people. Visit foiradio.org or if you're in the U.S. or Canada, call our listener line at 888-343-6940 to order your copy. Once again, that toll-free number in the U.S. or Canada is 888-343-6940. Today is one of my favorite segments. We're going to be focusing on our
1: recent Israel My Glory issue, which is titled Name Above All Names. And I've got this issue right here in my hands. I'm really excited to share a little bit about it. And then we're going to have Steve Herzig in studio to talk about his contribution to the latest issue. His article is called What's in a Name? And he's going to share why God actually chose the name of the Messiah.
0: Before we welcome Steve Hersey, Chris, tell us what's happening in Israel.
1: Yeah, Americans have elected a new president, Donald J. Trump. And in the United States, Trump beat his rival Hillary Clinton in an electoral landslide. Overseas, Trump garnered even more votes. American Israelis strongly supported the political outsider. 65% of absentee ballots that came from Israel voted in favor of Trump over Clinton. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu reached out to Trump after his victory to congratulate him and to reaffirm that strong relationship between Israel and the United States. You know, I believe Trump's tough criticism of the Iranian nuclear deal, his vocal repudiation of Islamic terrorism and really his desire to finally see the U.S. embassy move from Tel Aviv to Israel's capital, Jerusalem, were the impetus for many American Israelis to vote in his favor.
0: In this time of transition, let's be praying for the relations between the United States and Israel. To listen to past programs or to read our notes for today's show, visit foiradio.org.
1: Today we're going to talk about our latest issue of Israel My Glory, which is called Name Above All Names, The Unfathomable Christ and the Hope That He Gives Us. Now, this issue deals with the difficult issue of how we can know and understand the God who spoke all things into existence, how our finite minds can begin to grasp the depth of an infinite God. You know, I'm reminded... Of Job's experience with God. Job wanted God to tell him why he had to suffer so much. And the language in the book of Job seems to show that Job wanted to put God on trial. He wanted to hear from God why he had to suffer so much. And then at the end of the book of Job, God catches Job up in a whirlwind to show him all of his majesty and all of his glory. And the only response that Job has is this. But I have declared without understanding things too wonderful for me to know. Job is saying, God, what I said about you earlier was completely out of ignorance. I didn't know you, I didn't fully understand all that you do. Now, here's why I think this issue of Israel, my glory, is so important. God does want us to know him. He, he doesn't want us to sit and wallow in our ignorance. Instead, he wants us to learn more about him and to engage with him in prayer. When we begin to grow in the knowledge of who Christ is, we begin to sound and act more like him listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 1 through 11. we're going to look at this here as we're as we're uh, going through our latest issue of Israel my glory listen to this Philippians chapter 2 therefore if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort provided by love, any fellowship in the spirit, any affection or mercy, complete my joy and be of the same mind by having the same love, being united in spirit, And having one purpose. Instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should, in humility, be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. Each of you should be concerned not only about your own interests, but about the interests of others. You know, Paul is speaking to the church in Philippi and he's trying to communicate to them what would make him the happiest apostle. He, he's trying to let them know what would just make him grin from ear to ear. Don't forget, Paul started the church in Philippi, so these are like his spiritual children, and he's saying to them, be united, have the same love, unite yourself in, in the spirit, and work together with one purpose in mind, to make Christ known. God is not pleased by our selfishness or our vanity, as Paul said, but instead he delights in our humility. I love it when Paul says, treat one another as more important than yourself. A mission, I'll remind you, a mission I will spend my entire life learning. I think this is one of the most difficult tasks for anybody to consider themselves less than anyone God brings their way. As you grow in the knowledge of God, you begin to see that division and selfishness are not a part of God's agenda. It never was, and it never will be. As you grow in the knowledge of our God, you'll find out that He Himself functions within a relationship. He is triune, the Trinity. God Himself exists in a perfect relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And within this triune relationship, there is no division or selfishness, but instead a relationship of unity with one purpose in mind, to redeem what has been lost, now, watch what Paul does. First, he shared with the Philippians the kind of Christian attitude they should have. That's what we just looked at in the verses 1 through 4. Now, he's going to show them why they should live this way. Listen to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. You should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had, who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped but emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men, and by sharing in human nature, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Paul takes the Philippians on what I like to call the journey to incarnation. Remember, Jesus wasn't created by God. He is God. Before there was a Bethlehem and a Mary and a Joseph and even the manger story, Jesus, God's son, existed in perfect harmony with the Godhead. As Paul says, he existed in the form of God. But because there was no selfishness or vain conceit within the Godhead, the Trinity, Jesus completely emptied himself and took on the form of a slave by looking like other men and sharing in our human nature. This is Paul's way of simply saying, God was born a man and became like us. You know, David Levy writes in one of his articles here in Israel, My Glory, in this particular issue, though Jesus already possessed equality with the Father, he did not cling to his privilege. Instead, he laid it aside at his incarnation. See, Paul is trying to tell us, if you want to see what our God is like If you want to know and understand the depth and richness of who he is, then we need to spend the rest of our lives trying to wrap our finite minds around the idea of the incarnation. That moment in history when our holy God became like us and embraced us in all of our weakness, sin, disease, and emptiness. And here's what's amazing. Remember I said earlier that division isn't a part of God's agenda? that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are unified with one purpose in mind to redeem what has been lost? It must be seen that in their shared mission, division would be inevitable. Paul says Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, that for a moment in time, the Son, as he hung on the cross, bore the sin of man once and for all. And by doing that, God the Father had to turn his back on him. And Jesus, if you remember in the gospels, cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, Jesus left the riches and majesty of an intimate relationship within the Godhead to become like us. So that through his obedience to the Father, we could begin to grasp the unfathomable depth of who he is. That because of what Christ did, We can know God more fully. Paul finishes this ancient song, because that's exactly what this is. Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 11, is an ancient first century song and a hymn that Christians would sing, and he ends it like this. As a result, God exalted him, Jesus, and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My friends, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, when he emptied himself and took on human form, started the process of God unwinding sin's control over creation. And it's this act of love and unselfishness that sets the unattainable standard by which we live. And as a result of his obedience to the Father, I love this. God bestows on him the name that is above every name. Now when we return, we're going to speak with Steve Herzig about the meaning of that name that is above every name, so stick with us.
0: If you're familiar with our ministry, you know that we emphasize the need for solid biblical teaching and accurate analysis on the news of the day. One of the best resources for great biblical teaching that I know is the Friends of Israel's magazine, Israel, My Glory. Chris, some may not realize that Israel, My Glory has been around since 1942 and has well over 150,000 subscribers.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you, I travel the country speaking in churches, churches in big cities and small rural towns. And no matter where I go, I always meet people who read our magazine and trust it as a resource for Middle East news and great biblical teaching.
0: To order your free one-year trial subscription to Israel My Glory magazine, visit FOIRadio.org. Compelling editorials, teaching about God's plan and promises to Israel, accurate analysis of Israel in the Middle East, that's Israel My Glory. And the next six issues are yours free. Visit FOIRadio.org.
1: Welcome back to the program, everybody. Sitting across from me is Steve Herzig, North American Director of Ministry. Steve, great to have you on the program. Chris, it's great to be here with you. Steve, this is a you're from Cleveland, and this has been a decent year
2: for being a Clevelander when it comes to sports, isn't it? It's amazing. It's uh it's one of the most amazing times as a sports fan to say you're from Cleveland. How was it though at the end of that World
1: Series? I mean, I know it was a tough one, right to, you know, the last game. Could
2: you walk me through a little bit as a Cleveland fan, what you were feeling? As a Cleveland fan, well, let me just tell you that uh, as a Christian, I said, if the Cubs and Cleveland ever play each other in the World Series, the rapture is coming. And I said, (laughs) it's going to be, this is way before the series. I said, it'll be six to six, ninth inning, seventh game of the World Series. And then it's going to be the rapture. (laughs) So a friend of mine texted me, it was raining in the ninth inning, if you remember, and said, The clouds are opening. And so I was so consumed with the game that I said, I know, this picture is horrible in the rain. And he texted me back to say, I wasn't talking about the game. I was talking about your uh, prediction of the rapture. The clouds are opening. (laughs) So I said, I forgot completely about that. So I was absorbed. Well, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm
1: happy that you've had a good year as a Clevelander. But we want to focus on your article here in Israel, my glory. You much were, more important, yeah, to much do more that. important things here. The article is what's in a name? And I, I want to ask you, you know, why are names important to God? You know, they have specific meanings. So I guess my first question is this, why do they have specific meanings in the Bible? And can you give us some examples?
2: Well, you know, in the article, Chris, I mentioned that God felt it was important. He named several people in the Bible. And part of that has to do with living up to your name. In Judaism, names are significant. And in the Bible, you'll notice that there are a number of different names. And, uh, for instance, Isaac was named Laughter. I think God has a sense of humor. Picture Sarah as a 90-year-old mother and four or five years. She's 95 years old. She knows her story that when she heard she was going to be uh, deliver a baby from a 100-year-old husband and, and finds out she laughs. So forever, when she's calling her son for lunch, she said, oh, laughter, time, time to eat. She's always reminded. She's always reminded of what God did. And while that's funny, it's also a deep thing. Um, you think of the word Samuel, asked of God. I can tell you, my wife and I named our oldest boy Samuel. Uh, we did pray and ask God, not specifically for a son, but when he was born, we we named him Samuel, in part for its Hebrew meaning, but also in part because in Judaism we have a tradition of naming after a loved one who's gone on, and so my grandfather was named Samuel. So names have significance, and we believe, as Jewish people, and the Bible teaches, that you'd want to live up to that name. Now, you've been giving us
1: Old Testament examples of names. Does that same idea of meanings and names carry over to the New Testament, specifically with the name of Jesus, for instance?
2: Well, you know, that's an interesting question, Old Testament, New Testament. There wasn't this bridge all of a sudden in the first century, where a big announcement made. We're now leaving the Older Testament text, right. and we're going into the New Testament. Right. It's still Jewish community. Uh, in in, in Jesus' case, God is the one that names him, but that name carries with it the same kind of, of meaning that it did back in the Old Testament with Joshua. Joshua was the one that led the Jewish people after Moses was denied that opportunity. Uh, Joshua was the one that brought physical salvation to the Jewish people as they crossed over into the land, redeemed alt- from bondage, and ultimately set free. God decided to use that same name salvation but this time not for physical salvation this time anytime anybody in who's a christian hears that name jesus it's a sweet name they reminded of what god has done for them salvation that's a great thing so can you so you're saying the name of jesus what what
1: is the hebrew name for jesus actually yeshua yeshua you're, you're saying that Yeshua,
2: Jesus, is the same as Joshua from the Old Testament. Can you, can you talk a little about that? It's the exact same. The pronunciations are different. It's the same root. It's the same thing. Uh, you could call him Joshua. You could call him Jesus. Uh, I think the the writing in the New Testament is to make a differentiation between one person and the other. But any Hebrew speaker would know that it's the same it's the same name. So if, if Jesus is walking down the street
1: in the first century, he wasn't hearing, hey, Jesus. He was actually hearing in the Hebrew, uh, Aramaic and Hebrew, hey, Joshua. Exactly. Wow. And so the idea is, like you're saying, in the Old Testament, Joshua was the one who led the people into Israel, pushed back the enemies of Israel at that time, and and provided deliverance and salvation. Jesus is the the new leader, and he brings freedom and salvation and deliverance from not physical enemies per se but from the
2: enemy of sin pushing sin away Chris you just said what needs to be said what needs to be bellowed out this Christmas season if if believers would just hear what you said incorporate it into their life and pro- project it out there as they give Christmas greetings it could it could make a huge difference um, in the Jewish community now you know, you're a Jewish believer yourself.
1: And I'm wondering, though, does the did the name of Jesus have a bad taste in the mouth of, you know, your family? The, 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 does the name of Jesus still carry the same weight it did in the Old Testament that it—I mean, in the New Testament that
2: it does in the Jewish community today? Can
1: you talk about that a little bit?
2: Certainly in the greatest generation, my parents' age who are, who are dying out right now, it's a bad name. My Baby boomer, late baby boomer. I'm 63 years old. The name of Jesus in the Jewish community is generally a negative name. I'm sure amongst younger Jewish peoples it's less offensive, but there's no question that the name of Jesus was used in in three of the most horrible periods in Jewish history. Uh, you have the Inquisition, you have the pogroms, and you have the Holocaust. And in each of those, the name of Jesus was used as they get the Christ Killers, uh, and and so yes, the name for me was a horrible name, and I had to unlearn a lot of things. Yeah, what was
1: that like to kind of find that new
2: meaning for you in your life? Well, for me, Chris, it was as I began to read the prophetic scriptures from my own Bible, given to me by my synagogue, and realize uh, in Isaiah so many passages in Isaiah describe, not name, but describe what the Messiah is going to do, and the description is Jesus. Yeah. There's no question. And so as I began to learn more of the scriptures, I became more knowledgeable, I became it became the name Jesus became less offensive to me. And you, you can almost see it was almost a perfect balance. As one got higher, like on a chain, the other got lower. And so it was no problem for me to fall in love with that name, even though at one time it was objectionable. But it the key was the word of God. So we're talking about this concept that the name of Jesus has this amazing
1: meaning. It means to deliver. It comes from Joshua, salvation and deliverance, Yeshua. But it kind of is offensive in the Jewish community today. So, Steve, as Christians, you know, we all have Jewish friends. Many of us might have Jewish friends. What can we do to tear these walls down so that we can bring that reputation of Jesus' name back up into the Jewish community to let them see, you know, it's not—we they. We, we don't think that they are Christ killers. We don't consider them, uh, y- y- you know, bad. We, we want the name of Jesus to
2: be lifted up. How do we tear those walls down in the Jewish community? You know, Chris, there's a song—I can't, I can't t- even tell you who sang it or the title of it, but the idea is who will be Jesus to them. The best way to make that name known is to, in a sense, be Jesus. Jesus. And, and what I mean by that is to demonstrate love for the Jewish people. As we're knowledgeable about the Bible, we, in, at the Friends of Israel, for instance, stand in solidarity with the Jewish people. That's, that's our mission statement, part of our mission statement. And so when we stand in solidarity, I'll give you a great example. A number of years ago, Bill Sutter uh, went to Rutgers College just as a private citizen, to stand in solidarity with Israel as there was a graffiti and things written there. And he met some Jewish neighbors who didn't know he would, and they said, what, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, I'm here to support Israel. This is an anti-Semitic thing that happened, and I heard about this, and I'm just here to show my solidarity. I want to tell you, he later had dinner with some of those folks just because of who he was. Mm-hmm. He was Jesus' to them. Yes. He was deliverer. He was uh, caring. He was compassionate. And for us, we have to be—the greatest compliment a Jewish person can give a believer is to say, you're not the kind of Christian that I thought all Christians were. And when you get into that category, you are Jesus to them. It's easy to talk about his name because you've embraced him and they've embraced you. It's all about relationships. Folks, we've been
1: speaking with Steve Herzig, director of North American Ministries at the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, and um, we're talking about his latest article, What's in a Name, from our latest issue of Israel, My Glory. If you don't get Israel, My Glory... I want to encourage you to go to foiradio.org. And right there on our homepage, you can sign up and you can get a one-year free subscription. I hope that you do it so that you can not only read Steve's article, which is fantastic, What's in a Name?, but all the other articles that are surrounding this great issue, Name Above All Names. Thanks, Steve. Great, Chris.
0: Don't forget to order your free trial subscription to Israel, My Glory magazine when you visit foiradio.org. Go there to learn more or call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. You can write to us at foiradio Radio, PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Again, that's FOI Radio, PO Box 914, Belmar, New Jersey, 08099. Or simply visit us on the web at foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. Our host and teacher is Chris Katulka. Today's program was produced by Tom Galeone. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong, and I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.